wisdom rise ancestors surround us rise. welcome to advancing the art of aging i'm carol silver elliott president and ceo of the jewish home family a continuum of services for older adults located in northern bergen county new jersey and I am delighted to have as my guest today, Diane Ferrone, and Diane is a physical therapy assistant here at the Jewish Home. Diane, you've been, well, you were with us, and then you left I us briefly left. Mm-hmm. and came back, but yeah. how, how long total? Um, I want to say I started here in May of 2013, Okay, and then I left for, I guess it was about a year and a half, mm-hmm. and then I was... Very glad to come back when I was able to. I do remember when you were leaving saying to you, you're going to come back. You're going to come back. I'm glad I was I, right. Yeah. I said, you know, this is only temporary. And I knew, you know, at somewhere down the road, I definitely was going to be coming back because this is a wonderful facility to work in. Thank you. Well, we're very lucky to have people like you to work in it. That's what makes mm-hmm. it a wonderful facility. Yeah. Diane, tell me tell me what you like about being a PTA and Kind of how did you choose that as your career path? Uh, well, this is actually my third career. Um, and I guess it was inevitable that I would eventually get into this field when I look back on my life and all the things I've done. Um, from the time when I was eight years old, um, my grandmother had had a stroke. And one of my jobs was to come home from school and, you know, stay with my grandmother play games with her, try to make sure she was safe. She was good. She was um, mobile. She was able to walk around, no assistive device. Um, unfortunately, her speech pattern was um, more or less not there. She couldn't say, any, she couldn't remember people's names. Everybody was named Johnny. Um, so, but, you know, I come home, I play cards with her, you know, and sit with her. So that was my job as an eight-year-old. You know, I come home. And then um, as I got older, I, uh, for my confirmation service project, I actually worked with my cousin who was paralyzed from the waist down. He was in um, an accident Mm. where he had fallen down an elevator shaft um, at a construction site. Oh, my. And, you know, so he was older. He was in his 50s, I want to say, at the time. So my confirmation project was to go over, do stuff for him around the house, and, you know, just help out in general. Um. You know, so I think as, I guess these were different things when I was younger that I didn't really think about, you know, a career in physical therapy. Um, I had a knack for numbers. Um, I went to school. I have um, a degree um, in mathematics for statistics. I ended up working in banking um, for 17 years. And um, in the early 2000s, I saw the mortgage bubble burst about to happen. So I started prepping for it. And I was looking at different careers, like what else, what else is out there? So I, you know, thought about, you know, physical therapy. I'm like, well, you know, my dad went through a lot of physical therapy. My dad was in a car accident in 1999 and he spent, um, eight weeks at Kessler rehab. Mm. Um, he had 13 broken ribs, broken leg, punctured lung, um, you know, very bad car accident. Um, so, you know, time in the hospital, time in rehab. So that also was back in my mind saying, you know what, this is a good field to go into, you know, and I did a lot of research and um, I'm like, well, physical therapy assistant program, it's about two and a half year program. So before, um, 
you know, while I was still working full time, I started going back to school and was taking courses to get ready to eventually quit my job. Uh, lo and behold, you know, layoffs happened in the mortgage world. And, uh, you know, that was it. I went to school. And that was uh, my progression to this point. Wow. <laughs> so that's a pretty dramatic <laughs> change from, yeah. you know, working in the financial world mm-hmm. to working yep. in the in the world of older adults mm-hmm. and providing services. Mm-hmm. But clearly, you started as a caregiver at a very tender yeah. age. Mm-hmm. So when you when you started to work as a PTA, what was that like? I mean, it had to be a pretty dramatic change from your previous work. It it was um, it was an interesting start. Um, you know, I had the idea I wanted to work in outpatient and I wanted to work with athletes. And, um, you know, I didn't really feel like it was, it was right for me at the time. And I was very lucky I was able to transfer from an outpatient facility to here. And I was very hesitant about it at first. And I just found like within, you know, weeks, I loved working with our elders um, they have stories to tell, um, you know, and they just have such a rich history and, you know, you're helping them to get better. They're so appreciative of everything that we do for them that you can't, you know, how can you not enjoy coming to your, your job each day? You know, I'm not saying every day is perfect, but I really do love coming, you know, get up in the morning and coming in and working with my elders. That's great. You know? It's to me, I find it rewarding for me, yeah, not just for them. Yeah. You know, the last two years, of course, have turned our world, everybody's world, but our world especially mm-hmm. in, in senior services upside down. Can you talk a little bit about what that experience has been like for you? It, it was hard at times um, just to see, especially some of our um, long-term residents and our elders, to see some of them who were so vibrant and so full of life and talkative and just to see them, um, you know, when, if they got COVID and they passed away, it was, it was hard. Um, when people do ask me about it, I like to tell them we saved lives. We didn't lose lives. Um, I don't know exactly what the numbers were, but I'll just, you know, say, Hey, we saved more lives than we lost here. Definitely did. Yes. And, you know, and I attribute that to, um, you know, your plan, Sonny's plan, Alana, everybody in the facility, what it was all, what can we do to make this work? And, you know, I, we had days where we had fun, um, even just going through, uh, I actually, a video came up on my timeline of when I dressed as a bunny in my PPE, which was just, you know, I did that and the residents got a kick out of it. And that was early on during the pandemic. That was during the I first month. I remember that day. I think I have that picture in my phone You still. know, and, you know, I just wanted to have fun with it. I actually was relating that story yesterday about, you know, you had to figure out ways to have fun with it. Um, it was hard um, having all that PPE on. It's very restrictive mm-hmm. and, um, you know, we were overheating. We were... Um, you know, we were tired, um, all the time, you know, but we still came in, we still did our jobs and it was truly a team effort that, you know, between everybody, between the aides, the nurses, therapy, kitchen, housekeeping, everybody pitched in and it's, 
you know, I think the only reason why we all got through it the way we have. I would agree. You know, we all played different roles. We all did whatever needed to be done. And yeah, I think the exhaustion has been one of the most lingering side effects. It's been very hard to get past this feeling of just so tired from everything. Mm -hmm. And the stress, I think, is a big piece of it, too. Yeah, and every once in a while I'll think about, you know, some of our long-term residents that have passed, and it makes me sad, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I'll see, you know, a picture of them up on a wall or in somebody's office, and, you know, I'm like, oh, they were always, you would tell this story, or are they, you know, you know, one resident would call me, oh, you old married lady, <laughs> um, you know, and they enjoyed when um, I got married. I brought in my photo album from my wedding. they like, oh, let me see all your pictures, you know. They really enjoyed all that. So it was, it was nice. It was like having, you know, how many grandparents right. that, you know, I maybe didn't have that um, relationship with my own grandmother because she couldn't say my name. And the conversations were very limited that I had all these extra grandparents around. So it was, it's kind of nice, you know. You know, one of the things we love about the work that we do and that we value certainly here at the Jewish Home are those relationships and how important they are. And, you know, I, I too, I have a lot of pictures in my head of people who are not here anymore. Some of them COVID, some Mm -hmm. of them not. But we carry them with us forever. Mm -hmm. I think that's part of the reason we like to do what we we do. Mm -hmm. Yep. So, Diane, you were telling me earlier that your dad had spent some time talking to some of our elders here. Can you tell us about that? He, um, my dad was a very big proponent of um, making sure all of our veteran stories were being told and saved, uh, particularly our World War II veterans. Uh, when they started the National World War II Memorial, um, you could have all your um, information about your time in service that um, inputted into their database. So he was working with a lot of the veterans organizations and actually trying to track down veterans and their families and making sure their stories would get in. So he would actually put, had a big presentation he put together for um, a veterans party they would do in Wyckoff at the Y. He would get up and speak to like 500 people, like with not even thinking about it. Um, and then one year he did actually come here to the Jewish home, or two years I think he did it. He came here and actually did the presentation for our elders. And they very much enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, the few World War II veterans we still had here were very proud. And, oh, I bet. You know, they wanted to stand up because my dad always started everything with the national anthem or um, saying the Pledge of Allegiance. And they wanted to stand up for him, you know, to do that. So he, he had a very big love of veterans. My dad did serve in the Army. Um, you know, he didn't serve during wartime, but he did. Uh, he always felt very strongly about it, and he always told me, make sure you take extra care of the veterans as they come through. And I'm sure you have. Mm-hmm. Yep. It is It is uh, a lost generation yes. to some extent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we were talking earlier about the veterans of different wars and how their experience has been so different. The World War II vets, really proud of their service. Very Vietnam proud. Vietnam vets, not quite the same. Yeah. And I think that's um, something that, Everybody that works in the healthcare field has to learn more about with dealing with our Vietnam veterans. Yeah, I yeah. would agree. It it was, you know, 
you read about and hear about people who came back from World War II and were embraced as heroes. Mm -hmm. And those who came back from Vietnam many times felt like they were coming back to a country where it was political unrest, it was disagreement, political disagreement about a war, but yet they were... Yeah, they, they were the people who bore the brunt of it, yes, you yeah. know, day after day. That's yeah. tough. That they were situation. being spit on and having rocks thrown at them and beat up. I it broke my heart when I, you know, when I hear stories about that. That's As not the way. If they had responsibility for yeah. that, yeah, yeah you it's know, just very, it's very, very sad. But I'm glad that we have people like you who are taking <laughs> extra good care of the yep. veterans. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure, I'm sure, if your dad know, or maybe he. Does know somewhere. He knows. He's watching over me. He's (laughs) watching, and he knows that you're doing the Mm -hmm. right thing. There was one more thing I wanted to talk to you about today, although we have a lot of things we could talk (laughs) about. But I I know that you have shared with us that you have a story of your own fight with breast cancer, Mm -hmm. and I think it's a really important story to share, if you don't mind sharing it today. No, not at all. Um, I, back in... 2012, just as I was finishing up school, and I'm preparing to study for my board exams, I go for my annual checkup, and my doctor finds a lump. Uh, She immediately told me, just walk right over to the hospital, and she's like, I want you to have a biopsy and a mammogram right now. Like, what's going on? I'm 42 years old. I'm not supposed to be dealing with something like this. And um, I had the biopsy, had a mammogram, um, and, um, you know, within a few days I had a, you know, diagnosis of breast cancer. I'm still studying for my board exams. Uh, I go in, I take my board exams. The day after my board exams, I'm at the hospital having full battery of tests. Um, you know, everything, every test you can possibly think of MRIs, CAT scans, x-rays, blood work, you name it. I was having it done. And, uh, within two, three weeks I was having surgery. I'm, made the decision very early on that if it was cancer, I would have a double mastectomy. I didn't want to deal with the stress of having to go every six months for another mammogram. That I think putting that stress upon your body is terrible when you're in this situation. Mm -hmm. So went, had to go do that. And I um, had the surgery. Unfortunately, it had spread a little bit. So I had to also have chemotherapy. After each round of chemotherapy, I landed in the hospital. I did spend a week in isolation. So I really understood how patients felt when they were Mm. put in isolation here during COVID because I've been in that situation. And um, so I had to have these vision surgeries. I had, you know, just a whole reconstruction process. You know, all the celebrities like, oh, yeah, well, I did this. When you're a single person trying to support yourself, you can't just do everything one right after another. Right. I had to keep going back to work, back to work, work for six months, have another surgery, mm. back to work, have another surgery. So it was it was very trying. And, um, you know, even though I had planned for going to school and I had a severance package and unemployment, last day of school, unemployment cut off. Mm. So I was like, okay, no big deal. I'll be working in two months. Yeah. Lo and behold, here I was diagnosed. I couldn't work for six months. Mm. Uh, I was very lucky that I did have, you know, a good family support system and I had planned for disaster. So, but yeah, a lot of surgeries and, you know, I, I was very lucky that I almost, 
Knockwood, 10 years mm-hmm. and um, almost 10 years cancer free. And I've been very lucky. Goodness, yeah. You know, but the chemo kicked my ass. Yeah. Um, you know, lost all my hair. It all grew back very nicely, <laughs> just as it was before. I know you can't see it, but it's all there. I can attest to that, <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been, you know, easy, but I, it, in a way it helps me relate to our patients mm-hmm. even more that, you know, I know what it's like to go through, um, a tough health situation. Yeah, for sure. For sure. So what's your lesson for people out of your experience? I, I know you well enough to know that you have some words of wisdom. I, my words of wisdom is don't, you, you got to enjoy life every day, mm-hmm. you know, don't take you know, take things seriously, but also look for the fun in it. Um, try to find some humor, even in the worst situations that are out there. Because if you can't laugh at yourself, um, it's it makes it harder. And you got to bring a smile to your face. I, I don't know. Um, that's that's <laughs> You know, perfect. I always looked at it as, you know, even going through everything. Um, I always joke, yeah, I had to go have a double mastectomy. But I'm like, you know what? I got new boobs out of the deal. I got a, I got a little bit of an upgrade, and everybody laughs. They realize that, hey, it's okay. Yeah. Um, attitude is everything. Yeah. At you, the end of the day, you know, if you if you walk around with the negative attitude with it, yeah. You know, but also, I think one of the bigger learning experiences I had with that is, and even I said this to some of my patients too, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be down about things, but it will get better. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I had to allow myself to go through that too. I had to make sure like, you know, I was being told, well, you'll just get over it. I'm like, no, it's okay for me to be upset about this right now. I know I'll get over it, but let me be upset. Let me be angry. You know, let me be, you know, human. Yeah. You, it's okay to feel that way. Right. You know, as long as you get past it, it's okay to feel that way. Well, I think when you see things on that journey and you say, okay, this is a bad this is a bad spot. This is a really painful place. And I'm going to give it the credit that it's due. I'm going to give it the respect that it's due. Mm -hmm. And then I'm going to go beyond that because I can't, I don't want to live my life here, but that's a choice we Mm -hmm. make. And, you know, unfortunately we all know people that live in that dark Mm -hmm. hole and never come out of it. Mm -hmm. Making a choice to go beyond that is not easy. But it's the only way we're going to live our lives fully. So, Diane, thank you so much. It's been really delightful, as you are always delightful. But thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me on. All of the children rise. Elders with wisdom rise. Ancestors surround us. Rise.